In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. As we move through Oscar season and approach the Academy Awards, I've been slowly catching up on some of the movies that everybody's been talking about for months. And as best I can, I try to get to a movie, when I see one in a theater, I try to get there on time or a little bit early because I love the previews, I love the trailers. Um, I don't really care for the commercials that we get more and more of, but I love seeing what's coming in the future. Um, I like to imagine you know, what that movie will be like in its entirety. Um, what will it teach me? What will it tell me? Uh, what will it um, encourage me to feel? You know, will it make me angry? Will it make me happy? Will it make me nostalgic? Um, I love the previews, those trailers. I guess because I've seen a couple of movies over the last few weeks and am thinking about them, I can sort of see in today's scriptures um, a massive trailer, a preview of things to come. (laughs) In a way, the scriptures today work as a preview of the season of Lent and Holy Week. Um, They set us up for themes and and dynamics and, and characters and feelings that will come up in the next coming few weeks. This Sunday, we hear of the transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain, and it works as a preview, a a trailer for the full feature that will be coming in the days ahead. The preview begins with that fantastic story from the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, as Elijah with a J, the the sort of senior prophet of the day, um, passes off his role to Elisha, uh, the junior prophet, the kind of prophet in training, the intern, the associate. Elisha, the younger one, seems to understand something is about to happen. And almost like the Greek chorus, that cluster of neighboring prophets kind of antagonize him by saying, you know, your master, the senior prophet, is about to be taken from you. And each time Elisha says, I know, don't say any more. It's as though Elisha wants to ignore the reality that the day is coming, that when his teacher, his mentor, will be taken from him. If you've ever been in the situation of being the student with a great mentor or being the associate for a fantastic primary person, um, and you've known that sense of the days are coming when I'm going to have to grow up and be my own person and make my own decisions, that's a little bit of what's going on with Elisha. He knows it's coming, but he doesn't look forward to it. Finally, Elijah makes it clear that it really is time for Elijah to move ahead, to to die to this world and return to God fully. Elisha doesn't like it, but he accepts it. He keeps quiet and he watches. And so after asking the older prophet for courage and strength and whatever else Elijah can impart to him, which is characterized as a double share of his spirit, 
Elijah suggests that if Elisha, the younger one, is able to watch what's about to happen, if he's able to take it all in, and in the midst of it to stand firm and absorb God's majesty in front of him, then in fact a double spirit of Elijah will be his. And that's just what happens. It's as though Elijah says to Elisha, God will give you everything you need. Just trust in that and believe it, and you'll be okay. It's a preview of just what will happen between Jesus and his disciples. In the days ahead, through the season of Lent, we'll see how Jesus keeps moving forward, intent on where he needs to go. And the disciples are kind of stumbling along and chasing from behind, not quite able to keep up, not really wanting to keep up fully. Jesus is following the call of God, and we will follow as well. The letter of Paul to the Corinthians, in some ways, uh, continues our theme of a, of a preview of what's ahead. As If you ever think of seeing a movie that, that really spoke to you and maybe is your favorite of all movies, and you mention it to someone and they say to you, I just didn't get it. <laughs> Paul sort of scratches his head openly. How do people not get the gospel of Jesus Christ? <laughs> After all, it transformed Paul. It made him Saul into Paul. (laughs) It transformed the community of Christians who were worshiping in Corinth, a sort of early uh, Manhattan where people were worldly and cosmopolitan and running after every little god they could imagine. And Paul then, as we might now, kind of scratched his head and thought, well, why is it that, that I feel compelled to get up on a rainy day and go to church? And so many other people are content and warm at home or seeing movies or reading the paper and just aren't bothered by the question of God. Why is that? Paul answers it for himself and many have tried to answer it. We probably do best by following Jesus' advice of leaving the mysteries to God to sort out and just living our life as fully and faithfully as, as we can. But again, it sort of offers another movement of if this were a trailer, a preview for what's to come, it has that question of why are we called to respond to Christ, but not everybody. That theme will continue in the days ahead. If this were a movie, the music would begin to grow and all the rumble effects would happen as we, we move to today's gospel, the transfiguration. This transfiguration reverberates through the whole season of Lent for us because it speaks to the power of Jesus with all of the tradition of the prophets and the law, the covenant, all of that behind him and with him. That's what's represented when Elijah and Moses are seen in a vision at the top of that mountain. Moses, the one who received the Ten Commandments from God and helped the people of Israel understand the commandments as blessings. He helped the people write the message on their own hearts. With Moses, Jesus inherits the full weight of the law and the commandments, but he does just what Moses was trying to get the people of Israel to do, to write the law in their hearts, not just to quote the law of God. 
The transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain reverberates through this whole season ahead as the power of prophecy illustrated with the presence of Elijah goes with Jesus as he speaks truth to power, as he speaks truth to the devil in the wilderness, as he speaks truth and overturns the tables of the money changers in the temple, as he cuts through the duplicity of Judas, the betrayer, The love and the power of the law is embodied in Jesus as he lives out the laws of God, dealing fairly with people, caring for the poor, sacrificing his own personal needs and wants and desires for the sake of others, of the community, of the whole world. At the Transfiguration, the story we get in today's Gospel, Peter's response previews a common response of others in the day ahead the days that lead up to the crucifixion, Peter seems to say, why do we have to go there? Why do we have to rush things? Why can't we do some modern-day equivalent of freezing things just the way they are, where we're all together, sitting down here and enjoying one another? Can't we be content with things? Jesus says, no, not for a minute. We can't ever be content. God calls us to more. Jesus is not held by Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he'll not be held by sin in the attempt of religious leaders to bind him in their day through a mock trial and a crucifixion. Jesus won't even be held by the death of the grave. Even after the resurrection, Jesus won't be held down by the expectations of Mary Magdalene or the early believers or even the church in our day. Jesus will not be bound by us. Though many aspects of what we will encounter in the coming days are already encountered in today's readings, perhaps the most important for the disciples to hear and for us to overhear come from the gospel. It's those words that come from a voice in the cloud when God thunders forth about Jesus. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Those words are powerful enough as they are, but I almost imagine Jesus, God adding to that, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him no matter what. Whether the disciples heard God say that no matter what, or whether they picked it up through faith, it seems like the disciples did hear and get that message, that message that brings encouragement and strength And I think we're invited to do the same and to remember that in the days ahead. Listen to Jesus no matter what. Listen to him on days like the transfiguration. When we feel overwhelmed by a cloud, whether it's the presence of God or something else. When we're overwhelmed and and confused by the presence of something larger than ourselves, when we feel the weight of our ancestors on us and the people closest to us don't understand, listen to Jesus. Over the next few weeks, we'll journey with Jesus through the desert, through the towns, toward Jerusalem, through the cross of Good Friday, even into the rising of Easter Sunday. Through it all, we're encouraged to listen to Jesus. When in the wilderness, whatever it might look like or feel like, surrounded by temptation or doubt, listen to Jesus who put the devil in his place and moved on to deeper faithfulness. 
when we feel weighted down by the crosses of our day, the big ones and the little ones, we listen to him who carried the cross and triumphed over it. We listen to Jesus. When we're facing dishonesty and corruption, whether it's in our government or where we work or even closer at home, listen to Jesus who called out the money changers and overturned their tables and stood for justice. When it seems like everything around us seems to be going the way of death or decay, listen to him who was raised from the dead and brings new life to all things and to us. Listen to Jesus. Pray with Jesus. Follow Jesus. Today's readings and prayers do work a little like a preview to a movie, except for a major difference. The movie's not just about Jesus. It's about you and me. We're in it as well. It's about our life. It's about our stories and traditions and and the sacraments of this coming season. It's about how our lives can and will take on new meaning if we give ourselves to God. You are my beloved, God says, no matter what. You are my beloved. We are God's beloved. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.